DJ, PK, Jeff Johnson, former Utah basketball player, sitting in for PK, who will be back from vacation on Monday. Time now to talk basketball with the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. David, good morning. Murray High School's Jeff Johnson in the house? Fact. Dave, do you remember when you called our radio games, man? I do recall that. Britain reminds me of all my stupid calls all the time. <laughs> we thought we were so big time because we looked up and saw a guy with a headset on doing the radio back in the day. You didn't think and you were big time because you were in the state semifinals every year? That would have been your first clue. Well, just looking up and seeing Dave, man, and he was a pro already, and he was doing a high school game, so it was big time. We're on the That's radio. Fun. I remember those. I still, I still ha- How old are we? I still have those cassette tapes. Oh, man. You should let us hear them. That would be great. DJ By the way, for those clips. people listening, cassette tapes are something that came before CDs that we used to um, record <laughs> audio. After 8-track, after reel-to-reel, before CDs. Yeah. Yes. Dating ourselves big time now. All right, David. Yes. So the Raptors are champions. There's a group of people who think they were just lucky a bunch of Warriors got hurt. And there's a group of people who think that – the bold were rewarded, firing your coach, trading one of your two best players, and you got the championship. Uh, they're pumped. And there's another group that's just happy the Warriors didn't win. They don't care who won, and they don't care why the Warriors lost as long as they lost. What group do you fit in? Well, I mean, I think there's something to all of it, right? So um, there was definitely something to being bold, but there's something to being bold when you're getting one of the two best players in the NBA. I mean, Kawhi Leonard was the arguable last time he played a full season was arguably the MVP. Um, he didn't win it, but he was arguably, you know, some, I think he finished second or third in voting. And then he had that weird year in which he um, didn't play for whatever reason. And so you, you're bold when you go get the second best player in the NBA. Yeah, sure. Okay. That, I mean, and I'm just not, I mean, I think Nick Nurse did a fine job, but I'm not just convinced at all that Dwayne Casey wouldn't have won the title also. So um, I'm not, you know, on the boldness of the moves, yes, but I'm not sure it's a replicable bold. Um, in regards to the injuries, I think that's part of what happens. I thought the Raptors would have given the Warriors a run for their money had everybody been healthy also. I thought they were really, um, you know, I thought they were really, really good. They, they built a neat team. And I do think the area where, I think they deserve the most credit that I think the Jazz can learn from is what they've done with their draft picks over the years and how they've kind of used their draft picks, whether it's um, – I'm kind of a believer that when you once you become good – this is too simplified, but once you become good that you should probably draft every other year and every other year you, sh- you should be using your pick to be able to um, further your roster with some sort of developed player. Um and so if you kind of look at what the Raptors have done over the years, they were bad in 2011 and they got Valanchunas, who was just an important piece for them for years. And then 2012, they went and got Terrence Ross, who they then shortly thereafter, you know, a few years down the road, traded for Serge Ibaka, which became their third best player for a while. They didn't draft in 2013. They missed in 2014. They drafted DeLon Wright in 2015 and then used him to go be part of the Marcus Gasol deal. They drafted in 2016, and they used Yaka Pearl to be part of the DeMar DeRozan deal, and they hit on Pascal Siakam, and we'll see what they do with OG Ananobi in 2017. 
So I think that, and they didn't draft in 2018 because they used that pick in a deal. So I think that that's where the model can be used, which is that, hey, we took Grayson Allen last year, and then two years ago we traded for George Hill, which is probably the right move. Either, you know, you acquire a draft pick that you're going to move in a year or two for a more established player, or you're using this draft pick now to go get, I don't know, um, in the Locked On Podcast Network mock draft, I had trade deals for Neiman Bielitsa, Doug McDermott, and each one more on the table for our 23rd pick. And I would be supportive of the Jazz doing any of those types of deals. All three of them can shoot and all of them are established and would be an established role player that can give you 15 to 20 minutes where I don't think I don't think I'll continue talking on the radio. I'll just talk into my cell phone, but the signal will die, and DJ and Jeff will make fun of me. Uh, Parley Scanyon, is that? That could be it. I don't know. He disappeared into the vortex. The space-time continuum had a little ripple in it. Get him back and continue that thought. You know, there's a question I'm going to ask him about besides the, the great draft picks which I agree with him. And the obvious move to go get Kawhi was huge. But do you think that the do you think that they still win it with uh Val who who is Valentine. this? Uh yes, I do. Locke? Um I only heard DJ saying he was gonna make fun of me when he thought I was gone and I wasn't. No, you were um, gone. So <laughs> I was not gone. I could hear you say it. All right, finish the thought. Uh, so, I mean, my, I, my, I don't know where I got cut off, but my point is just, that's what you can do with the draft picks. And the, the last thing I think I said was that in our locked on mock draft as GM of the jazz, I had trades for Doug McDermott, Etwan Moore and Neiman Bielitsa with the 23rd pick, none of which are, you know, game changers, but they're all rotation players who can give you 20 minutes a night. And I just not convinced the 23rd pick of the draft can give you 20 minutes a night. David, um, I was going to ask you before you got cut off there about um, besides the obvious move to make for Kawhi, which was kind of a no-brainer now to looking back, and then the smart draft picks, which I agree with you. I think they've done such a good job with those. Do you think the Mark Gasol and Danny Green moves were underrated? Have we talked about those enough? I know they get brought up a little bit on the TV broadcast, but do you think they still win it with Valanchunas and without picking up Green? Um, with those two moves. So, I mean, Green's part of the Kawhi Leonard trade, which is the craziest thing, right? So, right. Um, you know, I mean, they got two stuff. Like, that's what I think maybe hasn't been talked about enough. But the Kawhi Leonard deal is that they trade Jakob Pertl, who's a backup center, and DeMar DeRozan for two starters. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's a – for whatever reason, San Antonio was done with Danny Green and just was willing to get rid of him um, and, and seems as though Pop was tired of him. Um, but so that was a, I mean, that's the huge pickup there. Um, you know, I don't think you win a championship without all your pieces. So each and every one of these has a value. I was not a huge fan of the Marcus Ole, Jonas Valanciunas deal. I like Valanciunas. I think I felt like you had to have a rim roller. Um, I might be, I, I might've been wrong on that. I mean, I thought Gasol was not great in the series, but he was pretty darn good at times. Um, and his defensive just recognition at t- is just such an elite level 
and the amount of plays he plays. But, I mean, he wasn't great last night, certainly. They got outscored by seven points when he was on the floor, and he only played 27 minutes. So, um, I mean, I think kind of the key to Gasol was that they had a Baca whenever they needed to, and they split those minutes, and depending on the matchup and the night, one was better than the other. So that was, you know, they never, they only, they had the favors go bear combo. They just never played them together. They just played them separately, and one of them wasn't as dominant as Gobert in, in regards to minutes. So he, they just pieced together those two. David Locke joining us here, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. So going forward, uh, with all the changes and the injuries we see, people have said, I'm getting tired of the same old finals. It was Golden State and Cleveland forever. Now it's Golden State and Toronto. We're going to have two brand-new teams in the finals next year, aren't we? I would think so. I mean, if, Toronto, if Kawhi really goes to the Clippers and the Warriors are without, I don't know what they're going to do in regards to free agency, but I mean, both Clay Thompson, it's just terrible. Both Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant won't play next year. Um, I can't imagine that Clay Thompson plays next year. The average ACL return is for basketball is nine months and that puts him into March. And why would you possibly play um, at that point? So I would suspect that both Clay Thompson and, and um, Kevin Durant are done for the year and, um. So, I, the war. I can't imagine the Warriors are favorites. I don't even know where you seed the Warriors in the playoff race. And Livingston retires, and Iguodala. You can't ask Iguodala. They got to figure out something because you can't ask Iguodala to play 32 minutes a night every night. It's too old. Um. So I mean, they really have. It's incredible. I mean, the Warriors could have a hard time making the playoffs next year. I think. Um. So the West is just wide open right now. And then if Toronto leaves, depending what happens with Boston and. Philadelphia and everybody else, I don't have any idea the favorites. I mean, it could be really, really incredible. I, I don't, I'm not as convinced everybody else that it's great for the league. Um, it makes it more fun, but I sense of national TV ratings and national interest and worldwide interest. It's pretty good to have the Warriors. Um, are you, is there one, this obviously in July, this is going to be one of the most exciting, crazy um, free agent frenzies we've ever had in the NBA. Is there one or two in particular you're looking forward to seeing how it unfolds or is it more and obviously the Jazz would be right up there, but is there is it more just the overall just seeing where all the chips fall? Or are are you focusing on one or more than the other? Well I don't know that I think it's gonna I don't know what it's gonna be anymore. Um I mean, Durant was really the linchpin that made the thing move, and then we had this situation where you probably, between Kawhi, Durant, Kyrie, Clay Thompson, Kemba Walker, and Jimmy Butler, had, and if you had six of the top 20 players in the NBA, probably six top 25, you add Tobias, you had seven of the top 30 that were going to move. Well, I don't know what's gonna, if Durant's going to move anymore. I, I, I suspect Clay will not. I suspect the Warriors will pay Clay. Um, and I don't know if Kemba's done, I don't know if Kemba's going to move because I think Kemba was going to go with Durant to New York if Kyrie didn't. Um, you know, it felt like Durant was either going to the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard or to New York with Kyrie or Kemba, and then now that Durant's not on the board or at least not an impact because he's out for a year, does Kyrie? What does Kyrie do? He does not. You know, Kyrie and Tobias Harris. I love Tobias Harris. I'm president of the Tobias Harris fan club. But Kyrie and Tobias Harris does not Kyrie and Kevin Durant. That does not move the meter in the same way. I love Tobias Harris as like your third best player. Um, Correct. What about what about what about uh, Kyrie Irving going to L.A. after the Pelicans trade AD there? Well, I think I think that's 
So I think there's a real possibility that AD goes to the Lakers and Kyrie follows, and then you have the Kyrie. And then, but so then, all right, so that's one move. And then what's the next move? Like, Where does Durant go? I guess. I don't know. And does it matter? Uh, it matters to the Knicks because even if they have to wait for him, they can at least say, we got Kevin Durant. Yeah, but I hate to say this, but, like, you're not waiting for anything. Like, you don't come back from that. I've read some stuff. We're never seeing, we're never seeing Kevin Durant again. It's awful. I mean, it's truly gut-wrenchingly awful. This is one of the five greatest offensive players in the history of the game. We're never seeing it again. Right, but if he comes back as 90% of Kevin Durant, and I've read that now... But nobody's the, ever come back from 90% of that. Okay, so now I'm reading that guys can do that now. Medicine's gotten better in the last 10 years. Like who? Well, I mean, I was watching DeMarcus Cousins, and he doesn't look like DeMarcus he Cousins. He looks awful. I know. I, I'm with you. He's yeah. not moving. Yeah, his, He not, can't move. He can't jump. He can't Ask Memo about it. You still look at Memo. You can see it in his leg today. Like, there's never been a... The cl- Christian Leitner came back for a year. Dominique Wilkins was okay, but he was crazily inefficient. Kobe was terrible. Kevin Durant's still Seven six. Seven feet tall. Like, it's... And, and he's still going to be able to shoot threes over people. Okay, great. Then I'm paying $35 million for a spot-up shooter. Is someone going to give Kevin Durant the max, yes or no? Yeah, I think someone is. It's a, it's a disaster. And the question is whether the Warriors are going to be shamed into it. An excellent question right there. Which, by the way, they'd get shamed into an extra year. Anybody else would be out from under in four. They presumably would be out from under it in five. The Warriors, I think, owe Clay. I think the Warriors max out Clay and sign him. Right? For two reasons. One is you get 90% of him the first year. He misses a year. You get 90% of him the first year back, and you get 100% of him the second year. By the way, let me make sure something's really clear when we talk about these percentage things, and there's no defined. We're all kind of making But, like, 10% less of an NBA player is a really big deal. Yeah, but 10% less of Kevin Durant is still pretty good. The problem is if he comes back But you're not getting 40% 10% less of, of an Achilles. Durant. You're getting 10% less of an ACL. Yeah. That is good. Those are two – those are two – those – I'm not a – you know, I didn't, I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, and I'm not a doctor. Um, but those are two dramatically different things. Kevin Durant will never average 20 points a game in the NBA again. You believe that? Um, he'll average 20 points a game in a really uninteresting way. It's going to be all pull-up jumpers, shooting over guys. Yeah, it just won't be Kevin Durant. Yeah, which is sad because he's still – And I don't think Kevin Durant will ever be in the top 20 players in the NBA again. Wow. That's rough because you think about Kevin Durant before that injury, and you're talking top two, right? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you're talking one of the five greatest offensive players in the history of the game. I thought it was impressive with Clay. Um, I was talking to DJ earlier. I've ACLs are a lot, obviously, easier to come back from. You can get back to almost full strength. Um, but I, I was impressed. I, I agree with you on the max for Clay. Um, he he showed me like even when Kevin Durant stepped out and when Curry was getting pretty much. Not, they wouldn't box in one Curry when Clay was in, but they were doing everything they could to not let him get a shot. And Clay proved, I mean, he can still light it up as your second best scorer on your team and make your team really good. So, I mean, I don't think they're going to hesitate a bit with his injury, um, re-signing him to, to any kind of a max. So where do you think he, 
He had a moment. Um, he had a moment in that game last night, which um, kind of was the first time I've watched him. And I thought to myself, "Oh, he could be number one scorer." Like I've always thought he would go at some point to be a number one scorer. I just thought, you know, at some point you decide you want to go find out um, what you can do. Um, and I always thought, I don't think it's going to work as well as everyone thinks it's going to. And last night he had a kind of little play where he came in the lane and then pulled up. And to me, I thought, okay, you know what? That's, um, that's actually, um, that that's a pretty solid, that, you know, that's a pretty solid move. And that's something he can do. Um, let me go back to something a second ago, DJ Rudy Gay's actually been somewhat interesting because so the two players that we probably can look at in regards to uh, Kevin Durant are Rudy Gay and Dominique Wilkins. And everyone likes to talk about Dominique Wilkins as a success. But so Rudy Gay was a 20 point a game scorer, tore his Achilles tendon, and is now a 12 point a game scorer at 31, 32 years old. Dominique Wilkins tore his. Is Achilles tendon, not his ACL, his Achilles tendon, in January of 1992. And the year prior, he averaged 28 um, points a game, 27. He came back for one year. Christian Landry did the same thing for one year and was actually okay and averaged 29. And then it goes to 26, and then it goes to 18, and then it goes to Greece. And his shooting percentage in a day and age which isn't nearly as prolific three-point shooting, goes from 46, goes from, he was about a 47-34 guy, and went, became a 46-29, a 44-29, a 42-39 for one year where he just became a spot-up shooter. Changes so like, when everyone talks about Dominique's success, it's actually not there. He, there isn't success after he came back, he could play again. And the only one I have found that actually had a half decent single year is Christian Leitner actually had a pretty good year right afterwards, and then he fell off the map. Okay, last thing before we let you go. Do you think there's any chance that uh, Kemba Walker, Tobias Harris, you are the president of the Tobias Harris fan club, that they are coming to the West? Are they going to look at the West and think, what is the point of doing that? Well, why wouldn't they think the opposite now? Who's the favorite in the West this year? Well, I guess it depends on uh, what you think of the Lakers' odds of making the trade with the Pelicans and signing Irving and what ha- how good the Clippers are if they're eighth in the West and they get Kawhi Leonard. I mean, can't we walk up to Tobias Harris at the first thing that starts and say, if you sign with us, we're the favorite in the West? You can say it. I don't know what he'll believe. Well, all players are arrogant, so they believe which they, they would believe okay. that. They'd be very excited for that. So you're saying there's a chance. If we, if, if we sign Tobias Harris, who's the, who's the best team in the West? Watching what Kawhi Leonard just did with a collection of nice but not overwhelming players, uh, I think a lot of people are going to expect the Clippers to jump up in the standings big time. I think okay, that they'll I mean, be that a roster. They'll that be, roster's not – that's not their roster right now, so that's – Right. They still yeah. they have Montrez Harrell. They still have Lou Williams. They don't have Danilo Gallinari under that scenario. Um, right. I mean, they can't yeah. keep everyone and sign. No, you're right. They can't. 
They can't. And then where do those guys go? I mean, there's so many unknowns right now, which is why everyone is just dying for this next month in the NBA. Because a month from now, there'll be a lot fewer unknowns. I mean, by July 14th, it should the dust should have settled. Um, I mean, they're, they, their players under contract right now are Gallinari, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and then a bunch of youngsters. Jerome Robinson, Thornwell, Landry, Landry Shamit. So push the chips to the middle of the table. Now is the time in the West. There's a lot of good teams and no great teams. I mean, I think the landscape changed this week. It's really awful that that's the reason why. But, yeah, I think the landscape really changed this week. Houston, Portland, Denver are all very optimistic. But now the Jazz are optimistic. And the Lakers and Clippers are about to make big moves, it looks like. And they should be optimistic. Tons of optimism, but no slam dunk 60-win team see in the finals. And there's inevitably going to be um, inevitably there's going to be a um, stupid national sportscaster starts telling us about how the Thunder are the favorite despite that they can't win a playoff series. <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't bother me. <laughs> you you are totally the mouth of jazz fans. You speak for jazz fans. You're a basketball lifer. You grew up and lived your whole life in Utah. You went to college in Utah. You. You oh, yeah. are. When I look at you, I see, what is it, 18,306 now, David, right? Yeah. Yeah, I see 18,306. I still say 19, I know, I, I know. It's so hard not to say that. I know. But it's 18,306 <laughs> now is the number. All right, David, I've got like 48 more questions for you about the offseason, but we're going to have to leave that for another week. Okay. Sounds good. I will not be available for about three more weeks, so that sounds great. Wait a minute. You're not available the next three weeks? You're shutting it down uh, in the most exciting month of the offseason? Holy cow. I, I will talk to you next on July 5th, which you're probably not doing a show, right? Do you want me to do the next segment with you? Uh, yes. There. Yes. All right. All All right. Ba- David Locke's back. coming I'll back. i do the we, next segment with you. I'm, we got not, more. I'm not back on until July 12th. We got more on the offseason. Stay with us. DJ and PK. DJ, PK, Jeff Johnson sitting in for PK. David Locke is joining us now because David's going on vacation for three re- weeks right when the NBA offseason gets really juicy. And I just told him in the last segment, I got like 48 more questions for you. I'll talk to you next week. He said, no, you won't. So he'll do a bonus segment now. David, I am curious right now, and we know this Wait, is— like, I, have to, I have to explain my logic here. Okay. I was in the—and this is really the dedication level that I have to the Utah Jazz. Okay? Okay. I was on the Shinkansen speed train when the Utah Jazz pick came up two years ago. I texted Ron Boone from the train and said the Jazz should trade this pick for Donovan Mitchell. And the Jazz did. So I have decided in an effort to try to push a championship to the Utah Jazz, I can't hit a jump shot. Um, I really have no useful information I can ever give anyone. I'm flying to Japan on the 19th so that I'm in Japan on draft day again, hoping to recreate the Donovan Mitchell. So gonna, I mean, get, it's really that, that level of commitment that I have. You're going to ride the bullet train. you got to be sitting in the same seat on the same train. That's the Shinkansen. It's a bullet train, high speed, super fast. All right, so um, right now, let's not, let's not assume where any of the free agents are going. You can take them off the teams because you know they're leaving, and you know who's hurt now with a couple of Warriors, obviously. Um, right now, who are the three best teams in the NBA? 
Is it the Bucks, the Sixers, the so Rockets? Are all, wait, what do I do with – what am I doing with – I don't understand what I'm doing with free agents. They're, uh, they're in suspended animation playing for nobody. Um, then the best team in the Eastern Conference – with no free agents playing for anyone is probably the Boston Celtics. Maybe the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, so Chris Middleton, Malcolm. But they certainly don't have Chris Middleton or Malcolm Brogdon under that scenario. Right, right. And, uh, and, but you're taking Irving off there in addition by subtraction in Boston makes them that good. Well, I mean, yes, yeah, I mean, but they still have quite a lot of players. Well, actually, depending on how you view Al Horford, he's not on that team either. So then it's a silly question. Um, move on. <laughs> I wish I hadn't had you back for another segment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love you, but no, that's I'm a just... stupid exercise. <laughs> and you know me well. Well, no, but who's got the, the, the point is no, who's got stupid, the because every team every team's missing two players. Who's got the best to build off of right now? Well, Philadelphia, then, because they've got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, but they're missing Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and T.J. McConnell. So it's like, like that's not a team. And Boston doesn't have Kyrie or Al Horford, so that's not a team. So this really and Milwaukee goes... doesn't have Chris Middleton or Malcolm Brogdon, so that's not a team. So this and goes so back there's... to your this goes back to your point then that when you were talking about seven out of the top thirty players moving, that this offseason is so massive because everything is so scrambled that at this moment nobody really has elite teams locked down. They probably will because all these guys have to settle somewhere. But at this moment there ought to be a pit in every GM's stomach. But I'll say this. Now, until Kawhi Leonard did a Scott Van Pelt injury interview last night, in which case then I thought he misspoke three times um, or didn't misspeak, just kind of let on, I thought that Durant was the linchpin to everything. So that if Durant went to the Clippers, he went with Kawhi, and then, you know, or Durant went with Kemba or Durant. Like, I just, there was actually a scenario where Kawhi now stays in Toronto, Kyrie stays in Boston, Kemba stays in Charlotte. Chris Middleton stays in Milwaukee. Tobias Harris stays in Philadelphia. Jimmy Butler stays in Philadelphia. Right, but we all we all turned on SportsCenter and watched the Scott Van Pelt interview, and that looked like a guy who had already packed all of his stuff, had the condo all packed up, and everything was already shipped to L.A., and he was going to sleep in a sleeping bag on the floor and then hit the road. Yeah, I mean, he really sounded like a guy who came to Toronto for one year to give them their championship. Yep. And it was not, there was no we and there was no... There was no us and there was no we in any of that conversation. He grew up in Southern California. He got drafted. He went to college in Southern California. He got drafted to Texas and he got traded to Toronto. But this is the first chance he has to really do what he wants, and he's going back to Southern California. Period. Period. All right, but so even so, and then, you know, but what is Kyrie doing is, I guess, at this point, what's his option? He He could go to the Clippers with Kawhi and become the nemesis of of LeBron, LeBron, or, or he could go Jordan. to LA with LeBron, or he could stay in Boston, which if they want him, I'm not even clear on that. Or he could go to New York or Brooklyn. I guess he, you know, or Brooklyn, I guess becomes his best option, and that puts D'Angelo Russell on the market. I keep hearing D'Angelo Russell to Phoenix to Devin Booker. By the way, I just want to share that. Say that again. I keep hearing D'Angelo Russell to Phoenix to play with Devin Booker. They're really tight. Okay, we'll put that one in the book. Sometimes these things I've heard have been pretty good. Like, 
Kyrie wanting out of Cleveland, I pretty much told you eight yeah. months beforehand. So I'm going to go with this one. I think is pretty good. So what is well, to, what, change, right? Uh, jazz fans want to know, what do you think Kemba Walker will do? And what do you think Tobias Harris will do? If you had to put a percentage on it, what kind of shot do the jazz have when there's a really crowded field of good candidates? I mean, I was reading about Tobias Harris and, uh, Philly wants him, Brooklyn wants him, Denver wants him, Dallas wants him, Utah wants him. Those are the five I remember for sure. I, I, I'm sure there was a sixth one, but I can't remember who it was. But the point is, he, he's got a lot of options. So I don't know. I mean, Dallas does want him. I know Dallas, I, from what I've heard, has a meeting set up with him. Um, but I don't really quite understand that one in the sense that, um, you know, how does he fit in with Chris Dapps and what's going on there? Um, I know Brooklyn wants him, and I've heard there's a meeting set up there. Um, you know, if the Jazz get a meeting with Tobias Harris, that's a big deal in and of itself. I mean, I know we want the player, but we've never actually gotten the meeting before. So if we get the meeting, it's a big deal. If we get the meeting, you know, I feel like we have a chance. The only time we've ever had a meeting with a marquee free agent was with Gordon Hayward, and it turned out to be rather irrelevant. So, I mean, us getting the meeting would be a really big deal for our franchise. Um, and I have heard that Dallas and Brooklyn have the meeting set up. Um, and so hopefully we do too. And then, you know, we're, he's played in Orlando. He's played in Milwaukee. Um, he's in, you know, so he's, he's from Tennessee. Um, he's played with the Clippers, which is basically a small market franchise. And now he's played in Philly. I did hear throughout the year. He didn't like Philadelphia. He didn't like that environment. Now it might just, you know, Jimmy Butler makes Jimmy Butler leaves and Tobias Harris staying, I think increases. Um, I can't imagine that Tobias Harris stays in Philadelphia to be the fourth option. If he does, I don't like him nearly as much as I used to. I mean, I just think it's a telling off. They took the money and it's willing to be the fourth option. Because um, that's not even just winning a championship. Being the fourth option is just, whew. Um, so I'd be very surprised if he stays in Philadelphia. I think Tobias Harris will move teams. David, um, for next year for the Jazz, do you do you see it more likely that they are able to work out some kind of a trade to grab someone, say, like, I've heard the rumors again that they're one of the teams interested in Mike Conley. Do you like that more than the opportunity to sign a free agent like, I know you're a f- fan of Tobias and I am too, and I heard other jazz organ or uh, management are. Um, do you like that more to, to do that, to bring someone alongside Donovan, keep playing Donovan at the two? Or do you like the option of, a Tobias, and then we don't get a really, really good point guard. But is there is there play a play there where we play Donovan more at the one? You're you you follow them and talk to them a lot more. Do they so, like that option of playing him as a one long term point the guard? The numbers when Donovan's at the one and we have a stretch floor are pretty good. Um, so if we have a big, if we have two bigs on the floor and Donovan the point guard, it's not good. If we have a stretch floor with Donovan at the point guard, the offense actually runs pretty well. Um, so that might be something. Donovan's not a point guard um, naturally. He doesn't That's just not a natural thing for him. You're asking a lot out of him, but maybe that's where he's going to have to evolve. I mean, the reason Donovan slid to where he did in the draft was because he was positionless. And it made teams nervous that they didn't know if he was a one or too small a two. And it's ironic that we're sitting here two years into his career where he's been better than anyone could ever imagine, and he's just a total stud. And yet, really, that's still the question on him. So, you know, I always say this about the draft. When people, when people miss on players, it's not that they missed 
on the they just miss on their strengths that their strengths are better than they think they very rarely miss on their weaknesses they usually know what the weaknesses are and they just got caught up in it um so to answer your question i just think the jazz need a talent upgrade um and if they're going to try to compete at a higher level than they have the last few years and i don't I'm not as caught up into what that talent upgrade is positionally. I mean, if it's a three, then I'll take the three. Um, the only position that can't be a talent upgrade is probably the five because we have Rudy. But they just need a talent upgrade. So is Bojan Banjanovic a talent upgrade? Yeah. Is it a big enough talent upgrade? I'm not certain. Um, I have this weird phrase that I like to talk about, the rightful order of the basketball universe. And that's where you really kind of know – the Kawhi's the number one dog, and Kyle Lowry's the number two, and then, you know, it all falls in the line. And the rightful order of the basketball universe is when each player is playing a role that makes sense to them. So Kyle Lowry, who's been a tremendous playoff failure over the years, because DeMar DeRozan is not a good playoff player, so then Kyle Lowry's has to be the number one guy, and that's actually not what he can do. And so then he's a playoff failure because – and it's kind of like Ricky Rubio being asked to be the number two scorer, or Joe Ingles being asked to be the number two scorer. They don't do it very well. That's not who they are as players. And so then they fail at that. And it, I'm not as convinced that that's the player's fault as it is the circumstance they're in. And so we need to be able to put our guys back into the rightful order of the basketball universe. That's Donovan's our primary scorer, but he needs a secondary talent upgrade next to him and then that lets Joe Ingles play off of other people and run his pick and roll against the second team and be a shooter and it, you know if Ricky were back which is unlikely in the scenario I'm talking about because we need the cap space but if Ricky were back you're allowing Ricky to be the point guard that was in New York once that shot four shots against the Knicks one day and had like 11 assists and that was the best game he played all year that's probably who he is and then you know occasionally he's left open for three and and hopefully makes you know, one out of four one night and two out of five the next for is three out of seven and you move on. Um, I think that was three out of nine and you move on. So I, you know, I think those are, um, we just have to get the, our guys back into positions where they can be really successful. And when you progress in the playoffs, you can get away with that being out of whack when you're playing an 82 game regular season. And it's why the jazz have been so good against below 500 teams, but not very good against above 500 teams is because that having guys out of their natural order gets exposed against above 500 teams. And so when you're Portland and they're similar in the sense that they've been great against below 500 teams and then suddenly Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless are being asked to do things they actually can't do and they can't play in the playoffs. Let, let, and so that's, that's where we are. Last thing and then we'll let you go. California, Texas, and Florida teams – have won 17 of the last 21 championships in an era of free agency, shorter contracts, and super teams. Is that ratio going to change? Is that just something that Utah and Denver and Indiana and Toronto are going to have to live with? Occasionally you break through, but 17 out of 21 have gone to California, Texas, and Florida. Warm weather, glamour cities, big states where most of America is moving. Not just NBA players, but most of America is moving, or is that trend going to change? That's post-Jordan. So I, think it's a, I, think, I think it's a fascinating comment. Um, I think it's really interesting. I didn't know that. I hadn't thought about it. My first reaction is, is that causation or correlation? Um, I'm not convinced. I do think that – I do think we've seen – that like we all talk, all, all of us who are 45 and 50 talk about Madison Square Garden in New York. It clearly doesn't move these players' meter at all. Like, why do I want to live in New York? That sounds like a pain in the ass. Like, that's really clear. 
Um, but, you know, like San Antonio is not a glamour city. Dallas winning their one-off championship with Dirk that had nothing to do with free agency. That had to do with, like, an unbelievable draft pick, and then they pieced the team together, and he had a great year. Um, the Warriors had really nothing to do with free agency until they got Durant, but they did that based on what they built. So I'm not sure that – I'm not sure I'd buy that the America moving to those cities, those cities luring free agents – have led to the reason why all those championships are there. I, I think, I don't think you have a, I don't think you have a thesis statement that can hold on that one. There it is. Steph's Curry rep hurt by the fact that he's now uh, 0 for 8 with uh, less than uh, 20 seconds to go on game-winning shots in the playoffs. Um, it fits into the narrative that people want to use to criticize him. So yeah, probably. Is it fair? Uh, I think he's the greatest offensive player we've seen in this decade, and he's revolutionized the game. So probably not fair, but maybe something to it. I mean, um, it's something. It's not a huge. It's not. I mean, like it's not a huge sample size. And like, if you go, like, I guess the one would be. So the guy who has the reputation of making all those shots is Dame Willard, and I think if you go back and look, I think he's like two of eighteen. Yeah. But the, but we remember so, the two, and we forget the sixteen. Right, like so. I mean, so if Steph had made that shot last night, he's then one of what eight, right? Yeah, but but Toronto's got another gag, and they gag Game Seven, and he's got a three-peat and four titles in five years, and he goes from being an all-timer to being an all-time all-timer. And you're right, Right. he revolutionized the game. He did. I mean, it's one shot, so I just have a hard, you know, me and my analytics, I have a hard time saying like, oh, if he's one for eight, then that solves everything. Is Donovan and Mitchell? if he's zero for eight, that shows he's a choke. Like, yeah, that just doesn't work for my brain. Um, I would say this: um, I thought, I think what we've really seen out of the Warriors is something that gets talked to us all about all the time, and it's and it doesn't make any sense because it just seems of how hard it is to win a championship. There is no question. That for the last five years, the Warriors have been by far the best team in the NBA every year. Like, by far. Not even close. And they only won three out of five titles. Yeah. All right, we'll leave it there. David, we appreciate a bonus segment. You have fun on your trip. And uh, you sit in whatever chair on whatever train in whatever country you want as long as the Jazz hit like they hit with Donovan Mitchell. I don't even know who Donovan Mitchell is of this draft, though. But I know nothing about this draft, though. So. As long as the Jazz get him, who cares? That's <laughs> a great point. Don't tell me. Don't tell me how you make the soup. Just make the soup, David. Thanks. We got to run. Right. We appreciate it. See you. Bye.